appreciate him uh, working his schedule. Normally, he's in class on Tuesday nights, and uh, he made special arrangements to be here tonight to make this presentation, and we appreciate it. We love the golf family. So thankful that they've become a part of your life, and uh, I do believe he's got a lot to offer, and, uh, and we want to take advantage of that. So I want to ask you to give your undivided attention to Brother Goff as he comes and talks to us, amen, about evangelism tonight. necessity in the house of God, you must have it, and evangelism is a necessity, and I, uh, I wanted to preface what I'll say before I jump into it, just say briefly say a couple things, uh, thank you Pastor Rita for letting me do this, uh, secondly I'll, I'll be saying a lot of myself, I'll be saying I a lot, and uh, so to counter that, we're going to talk about Jesus, and then we're going to talk about you. If you'll forgive the personal references, they're just built into my life. I can't take them out. They're just a part of me. So we want to talk a little bit about lifestyle evangelism. And kind of what I want to title this is preach the gospel always, if necessary, using words. If necessary, using words. Um, there's a lot that can be said about evangelism. There's so many directions. A lot of churches have had uh, outreach programs, uh, so many things organized and coordinated, but there's a lot to it. It's more than just a program. Um, I don't read anywhere in the Bible of any programs, so I want to present to you just, I want to keep it as simple as I possibly can. I have one scripture reference we're going to read from, and it's nothing that's going to just blow your socks off, blow your mind, but I want to talk about a biblical principle. You give me that liberty, I just want to present a biblical principle. Amen, amen. There's a few requirements. Brother Brandon, if you go to the next slide, there's a few requirements for this. You must love God. You have to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. You must be transparent. If you're not real, they'll see right through you. You reveal a level of transparency you don't want them to see when you are not real. And you must want revival. Uh... And there is absolutely, absolutely no age limitations. Um, just the other day, uh, Sister Goff, we went by and I picked the girls up. I was off work early and I picked the girls up. She said uh, one of the parents came by and was talking to me. And they said, well, one of their girlfriends from uh, Janessa's and one of Haley's girlfriends had talked to their parents. And they said, you know what? We want to grow our hair long too, just like Janessa and Haley. Um, there is no limitations. Um, Children are often some of the best soul winners you will ever, ever see. That's why it's so important to have a Sunday school. You get the children, you get the parents. Now, when I speak of this, it's not a business, but it's something that you want the children to get because you understand there's so many situations they're in that are out of their control. So many families that are utterly shattered out of their control. I have a special place in my heart for children. It's something that, you know, it's beautiful to walk into a kid's church, Sunday school, and see little hands lifted, 
and worshiping and praising God. I was, we was just talking Sunday night about Kaiser, and he is showing interest in the house of God and the things of God. And my wife and I were talking, and we were like, you know what, what better place to get it than Sunday school? He says, Daddy, I, I love Sunday school. I enjoy it. I understand it. They dress up. They're funny, and I understand what they're saying. I said, Son, just keep coming to church, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. I can't wait for the day when teachers come running up the stairs and say, Brother Goff, your son just got the Holy Ghost. That's, that makes my day. And if you've never done it, and it's not always afforded everybody a luxury, baptizing your own family, baptizing family members and your children, seeing them, their sins washed away, nothing like it in the world. Absolutely nothing like it in the world. Amen. So some of this with lifestyle evangelism. Brother Brandon, go to the next slide. It's everyday evangelism. You see people, they're in your life, whether you like it or not. Nobody, and there's some people who are not people persons. There's a neighbor to my, uh, behind us. I've never seen him in the eight years that he has been there. He never comes out. He don't answer the door. He don't come out and mow his grass. He hires people. He don't do anything to his house. You never see him. He's not a people person. Not everybody is afforded that luxury of cutting off the world. You have to deal with people. It's such as it is that God commands us to deal with people. He asks us to deal with people. It's a part of the church. So we're going to go and we're talk to a little bit of things um, that Jesus did. And we're going to talk a little bit on the next slide about people who met Jesus. And I wanted to pause here for a moment because... We see these people that God met and Jesus as he walked this earth. And as we read the stories, we think of them of just ordinary people. But they were very, very special people. Um, they're people that impacted those around them. Even though they may not have been leaders in the community. But they always, if you, if you read about it, and one that just jumps to mind, you go to the lady, the Samaritan of the well. Um, it wasn't just her by herself that was impacted. He went to somebody that was filthy, a Samaritan, but she came back to the city and the people were talking about him. It was, what a man this is to stop and talk to somebody. Took the time, the Creator took the time to speak to her. So, Brother Brandon, go to the next slide. I want to talk to us about a few people, and I'm just going to hit them. We know these people. These are people that we're aware of. But we see that Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Now, you can call me whatever you want to call me, um, but in outreach and soul winning, there's always been a part of me that has always wanted to reach for leaders in the community, leaders amongst people, leaders on jobs, because as the leader goes, so follow people that are with them. That's why they call them leaders. It's because other people follow after their direction. There is absolutely nothing wrong with targeting people and and it's in outreach, I always made it a part. I, there was one day we were driving down the road, and we had done some outreach in the city. And we had something. We went by the police station. We was going to drop off some food and take care of them. No one would answer the door of City Hall. So I pulled over an officer. He's driving on the road, flagged him down. He was looking at us real weird, wondering what was going on. Maybe there was an emergency. Walked up to him and said, sir, I couldn't get into your office but we have this food we want to give you. And we handed him stuff, and he was just like, okay, wow, uh, this doesn't normally happen. And, 
And we went into the fire station, walked in, and if you don't know them, they most of them are 24 hours a day. They have this set rotation, and they have all their food, and they have all the exercises they do as a group, and the next group will cycle in, and there's another group, and, and the, there's different shift captains. And so we went in, and we started to meet them, and we used it as, you know what? Our son, Kaiser, wants to see a fire truck. Went in there, my wife introduced herself, told him what we were doing, invited him, and told him, gave him a church card. It wasn't just that. We met the captain, he said, you know what? We want to fix a meal for your guys. So we got together, and we fixed them a Thanksgiving meal and brought in all the hot plates and containers. There's nothing wrong with focusing on people that get a lot of attention in the world. Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish council. Paul, we see a man that persecuted the Jews, uh, but God found him and brought him to truth. We see Jairus, a synagogue ruler. You see the Roman centurion. And they said in the, he made such an impact as a leader, as a Roman centurion, that the scripture says that the people said he's worthy of you going and seeing him, Jesus. He has a sick servant that's about to die. and He's worthy of you going. And they thought so much of him that they... They said, hey, we recommend you visit. People deserve God uh, that have so many needs and, and have so many problems in their life. Have you ever walked in and you've seen people in your life and family members and friends and people you work with, and you're sitting there saying, you know, all of their problems would be so minimal if they just got in church. Their marriage, God can fix it. Their finances problems, God can fix it. Church, I've, I have never seen a problem that God cannot fix. So thus, the confidence that I have when I talk to someone about God and they say, well, listen, my life is so, so messed up. They don't understand what living for God really means and how God can really take care of His people. And they see it as just, and I was reading some numbers and they polled Catholics. They polled just about every religion. And there was a couple of reasons that people stopped going to church. And one of them was they said they see religious leaders as those who want to just get money and build a big congregation. You know what? They're there. There are those churches that do exactly that. But they don't preach truth. There are people that just want it for the money. They try to get on the programs. They try to get to where everybody flocks to them and sends them money. But Jesus focused on leaders. You read about Zacchaeus. He came up and confessed in front of everybody. He says, if I've done the wrong, then I'll give you back. And I can't remember how many times over, but in some of the stuff I was reading, they're saying if you say if, it's really implying that you're probably guilty of it. You're not innocent until proven guilty. The Bible says, and it uses these scriptures, and it talks, if you'll do this, you'll find salvation. If you'll baptize in Jesus' name. So we find that we have people that are leaders that are still humans. Bosses on your job. Everybody has the bosses that they cannot stand, they don't like, they're just, you know what, I, I can't wait until they move on. You see them cycle through. God has blessed me. I have wonderful bosses that I work for that um, come from the South. They're not religious men, but they're from the South, and there's a part of them that love just God. They're just... They can't help it. They grew up that way. But pray for your bosses. Pray for your leadership. I pray for my bosses. And, and you make such an impact on them. And we'll get to some more. I just want to stop here for a second. 
You can make such an impact by praying for your bosses and those who lead you, your supervisors. You can make such an impact that they see you and you and and at, they take up for you. And you have those people that are always out for you. They have the people that never can seem to get along with in the workplace and seems like nobody likes them and they're always attacking you and firing off emails trying to make you look bad. When you conduct yourself in such a way as Christ showed the example, you'll have people that don't go to church stand up for you. When they see that you're real, when you come in talking about how good a service was versus how big the party was, they'll see how real you are. The next slide, we're going to talk about the common man. And we read, we read about some of these uh, over the past few weeks, and the paralyzed man, and the widow of Nain, and Legion, and feeding the 5,000, and the prostitute, and, and the Samaritan woman at the well. All of these are referenced in the Word of God. We are all just common, ordinary people. God took the time and reached for each and every person. You see him preaching on the seashore. You see him talking inside the city. You see him preaching from a boat. Nothing was conventional. Had to come in and sit on a pew in order for something to happen. He didn't have to come into the temple or the synagogue and stand there and say, All right, I'll be here every week. But he evangelized everywhere he went. That's why a crowd followed him. There's something that I find very unique and that people have taken the time to add up all the stories in the Bible of Christ's ministry. People have taken the time to put it all together and summarize it in a day, in, in, in the days that the approximate that Jesus Christ was referenced in the Bible. The next slide says that scholars say the New Testament only records 31 days out of Jesus' three-year public ministry. It records those 31 days of active ministry. I know there's the times where he was tempted in the wilderness, but there's just a small snapshot. There's just a small portion of time that we see of a man that was so great, so marvelous. There's a book written about him. There's millions of people that search after him. Just 31 days. I'm reading for the Word of God, and I see where Jesus was a young man in his early 30s ministering. I'm 32 years old. I look back at my life and I say, God, what impact am I making on those around me? They say in your 30s, at least young people say in your 30s, you're in your prime. You're in before all the pains and the aches and pains hit. and You're looking at retirement. You're, you're in your stride. You're saying, I can make a difference. You still have enough gumption. You can still have enough fuel to, to have something inside of you. He says, I must change somebody. I must make my mark on this world. Christ only has documented 31 days that we see, but the scripture says he done so much more than what is written down. Now we understand that Jesus walked here on earth and he was our savior and he was the lamb slain, but he also left us something that was a part of him called a comforter that allows us to do the same thing, resist temptation, change the lives around us, he gives us the strength to make it day after day. Now look at yourself. How old are you? How long have you been in church? You know that that resume of Christianity really doesn't matter unless you do something with it. 
My family, I'm fourth generation, means absolutely nothing unless I make enough impact I can pass it on to somebody else. It will die at my feet unless I hold it so dearly and say this means so much to me, I must pass it on. Not leave it and let somebody else pick it up. But it means so much to me that I must carry it in my life. It must be a part of me that my family sees it and says my daddy was a Christian. The people at my work see me and they say, Douglas is a Christian. You must make an impact. That's evangelism. Just inviting somebody to church, you know what that is? That's inviting somebody to church. We'll step into a passage. Luke chapter 14, the next slide, we'll jump into it. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. I'm going to jump in the middle of a story. I want to keep it simple, but it, it's important. I want to pull the biblical principle out of this. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto them, Jesus speaking, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. He invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. So kind of him to ask. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Next slide, verse 20. And he said, another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the cities. Bring in here the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. What does the servant do? And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. I've done what you said. I've went and talked to everybody. And still, there's room. We've invited everybody. They make excuses and they do not come. So then we step to the next level. We're going to buy, uh, bring everybody in, the sick, the wounded, everybody sitting around. Bring them in. I want them to be guests in my house. And they still don't fill the house. So what does he say? The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. None of those who were invited that did not come will not sit at my table. That whole passage of Scripture, I want to talk about one word. Brother Brandon, go to the next slide. Compel. Compel. You read it in the Scriptures, you'll find it. It says if a man compels you to carry his package, his backpack, go two, and he's asked you to, the Roman mile, go one, he, go two, just go ahead and do it. He compels you. So I went on, I began to do some study, and the first definition I pulled up, I didn't have to go searching to make something say something I wanted it to say, but it says to have a powerful and irresistible effect, influence, to compel. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Compel. Have you ever compelled someone to the house of God? Or have you only invited somebody to the house of God? 
Has it only been just a mere invitation? Please come. Or have you compelled? Compelled to have a powerful, irresistible effect and influence. Not drag them by their heels. Not push them in the door in front of you. But you live in such a way they cannot help but follow you to the house of God. That your actions precede you. You're the same every day. You're a Christian in every way. You conduct yourself as you say you are. They must follow you to the house of God. A biblical principle. Jesus compelled them. Why do you think they followed him? It wasn't just because he was a miracle worker. His just being Jesus compelled them. So I want to focus on that. And I promise not to keep you. I want to keep it simple. But we must live in such a way that your co-workers, that your family, as sinful as they are, can't help but want to come and see who this Jesus is. That they want to say, listen, I've been to church all my life, but there's something different about you. I've heard about Jesus, and I've went to Sunday school all my life, and and I've done all these things, and I've done the bake sales, but there's something about you. Your testimony perceives you giving it. While I'm on that, your testimony is something that no one can ever, ever take away from you. You can only give it up yourself. When you don't live a lifestyle that compels people, you're on the verge of giving up your testimony. You're just status quo. You're just Christian. You're just the person who just goes to church and gets off the religious holidays and people, oh, he goes to church or he's one of them. But when you compel somebody. So let's talk about some of the attributes of compelling people, not just to come to church, but to want you a part of their life. We focus so much on them sitting on that pew that we don't allow, well, I feel like a failure if they're not sitting on the pew, but they come and talk to you about their problems. You're compelling them. Whenever they say, would you pray for my family? You're compelling them. There's something about you that's irresistible. It's powerful. They know you pray. Next slide, Brother Brandon. Prayer shows compassion. Prayer is something that is meaningful. I have never found a person, Pastor Riggin, that has ever said, when I tell them, I'm praying for you. I've never had one tell me, you're wasting your time. I don't want your prayers. It touches them. They say, Thank you. And you see the emotion inside of them. Somebody that's busy is taking time to talk to God about them. On their behalf. On all of my problems, I'm taking the time to talk to God, my Heavenly Father, about you. Prayer is meaningful. Never take it for granted that this person's just appeasing you, just playing on your emotions when they say, Would you pray for my family? No, God is wanting to use that opportunity to change somebody's life. It means something when they come to you and you know that it's the person that steps up to you and no one else is around and they say, hey, my wife's not doing well. Would you you pray for her? It took a lot for them to do that. 
When you make an impact on people, there's a gentleman that I work with. His wife was diagnosed with cancer the week before Thanksgiving, went into surgery the week right before Christmas. Terrible time for the family. Anybody's family would be horrible. And as you know, in workplaces, everybody shows concern. Hey, I hope she's doing well, anything we can do. How are you doing? It's one of the first things that come up. Hey, how is, how is so-and-so doing? How is she doing all right? And, and I began to see the transformation. At first, he was saying, well, you know, she's doing this. But then it just became, well, she's doing all right. You know, we're just going through doing more chemo. And there would be times we'd be driving down the road. And then out of the blue, he would say, you know, Douglas, she's not doing too well. I knew, just listen. Oh, the next slide, Brother Brandon. Just listen. I knew that something I was doing in myself was compelling somebody. A devout Christian grower, a devout man who teaches Bible studies and preaches in denominational churches, seen something in just an apostolic, not myself, but in an apostolic that... He's different from everybody else. And when I want to talk, he'll listen. And when he says he'll pray, he's praying. You can make an impact just by being you. All that's asked is just listen. Sometimes we get so selfish in our mind, we got to tell everybody about, well, I've done this. But when you notice something's just off just a little bit, we still plug through and we decide, you know, I'll take this conversation a different direction. But if you'll listen, if you'll be in tune with the Holy Ghost, I've been sitting in offices and uh, things just, just go in business. And I just feel, you know what, just be quiet. And someone will be sitting there and then all of a sudden they'll say, you know, I, I've had a bad weekend. My family, and then they just begin to open up. People that have reputations of being just rough, rough, the hurricane, the people that no one wants to be around. You hear someone's upset, everybody goes the other direction. But in private, when you'll just listen, you'll get trust. The next slide, trust. Trust is something that very, very hard to get back once you lose it. To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. My co-workers loving me doesn't mean anything. But when they trust me, that means they can close their eyes, I can take them by the hand, and I can say, hey, let's pray. That's trust. Trust is important. Imagine your marriage without trust. I work with a gentleman to this day that there is so much distrust in their marriage that it is just mind-boggling. Someone who cannot go anywhere, goes and gets dressed for work or get ready and Wife's going through his work emails, making sure no ladies from work are emailing. See someone's name on an email, and it's strictly just business, but it's a female's name. And you know what was wrong? The relationship was born with no trust. He was cheating on his current wife when he picked or with the previous wife when he started dating his current wife. Trust was never there. Leave every opportunity to be trusted with everybody around you. Not giving yourself away and being gullible and saying, oh, well, they would never, but just pray for them, listen, and trust will come. It'll take a while, but trust will come. Lifestyle 
evangelism. Live a lifestyle that compels them to come to church. Let your lifestyle invite them to new life. Let your lifestyle be one that changes them where they say, you know, he's weird, he dresses weird, he don't act like everybody else, but I've got to have what he has. Lifestyle evangelism. Something that you can't pick up and lay down. It's with you every day. I want to give you a few examples. Brother Brandon, if you go to the next slide. And I, I purposely removed names. When I was putting all this together and God was laying this on my heart, I was going through and so many examples flowed through my mind. Talking to Sister Golf. You know, it's easy. It's very easy as a Christian. Very easy as an apostolic when you're trying to do something and God changes directions. There's e- it's very easy for failure to start to slip in. The other day, Sister Golf and I were going down through our minds and praying for people and going down through our minds and talking about all the people that we talk to every day, every time we go somewhere. Example number one is one of those people. This individual was kicked out of their house at 16. We ran into her at Price Chopper. This person married a co-worker, which happened to be the manager of the store. She's going to college, and my wife can go through the checkout line, and she just opens up. You know why? There's prayers, there's listening, and now there's trust. When people are scanning, have you checked my chopper shopper card? I got this coupon. I want this stuff in paper and plastic. Sister Golf just listens, and everybody else goes through. And I want to point something out. People are intentionally in our life. We as people take advantage of people in the service industry, restaurants, gas stations, grocery stores, everything that we go, we pay for a service for convenience or to get something, produce, We take them for granted. They're not people. They're somebody getting me something that I want. But those people that are checking you out have problems too. So when you go in a restaurant and you don't conduct yourself in a way that would be conducive to an apostolic, you're making an impact on somebody that has problems. They know you go to church by the way you conduct yourself. Make an impact that compels them to say, you don't have to give me a church card, but where do you go to church? What's so different about you? Where they walk up and say, my grandmother dressed like you guys did. Be an example for somebody. Live that lifestyle evangelism to where you know the people in your checkout line. Sister Golf and I, Sunday night, driving home from church, trying to get back, had some stuff that had to get done. We drive, and she says, let's just swing by Price Chopper real quick. Leave the kids in the car. I'll run in. Drop me off the door. Drop her off the door. Turn around the parking lot. We're sitting there waiting, listening to the radio. Kids just jamming with the music. We're sitting there, and we're finally like, where is Mama? Where, where did Mama go? And so we're sitting there. and So I send her a simple text. I said, hello, to see where she was at. And people were coming in. We kept seeing people coming in and going out. Finally, I see Sister Golf walk out. I pull up there, and she jumps in. I was like, well, what was taking so long? What happened? She goes, well, I ran into this person, 
I ran into this person. This person was asking about church. This person asked if this other person who went to church when you invited them. And this person says, you make an impact in your community. Know the people that are in your life for a reason. Example number two, next slide, works at Price Chopper. This person is married with children, came to our baby shower for the twins, invited her, and they came to Thanksgiving dinner. Her husband drives out to Whiteman Air Force Base. She lives in Kansas City. And I'm omitting details because I don't want to tell everything because there's a trust. I don't want to give you their name because you know what? I hope one day they're sitting on this pew. I don't have to know all the gory details. I don't have to know all the gossip. All I got to do is know how to pray. All I got to do is know how to listen to them and know who to go talk to God about. Say, listen, God, you see their problems. You see what they're not telling me. So we see this lady was amazing, her coming in and sitting in with my family at a baby shower, sitting in with family and other people from the community in a Thanksgiving dinner, people that were strangers, but you made enough of an impact that they felt comfortable spending time with your family. Example number three. He is the owner of a BP gas station. He worked for 13 years at the West End Crown Center to save enough money to buy his own business. Wife with two children faces financial issues from the economy. I don't know this gentleman's name, but I promise you every time I go get gas, I will go past countless gas stations and go to his gas station and go get gas. When I pull up, he'll walk out the door, he'll have people at the counter, walk up, and he wants to talk to me while I'm getting gas. Customers stand there wanting to pay, and he wants to talk to me. Nothing special about me, but I took the time to get to know him, even though we don't even know each other's names. So I had an opportunity in class, one of the business classes we're doing. They said, you need to write a paper on a small business owner. I said, I know just the man. So I called him up and said, hey, I want to come by. I want to interview you and spend some time with you. I wanted to take every opportunity I could to get to know this man. So a couple months ago, pulled up there. Go by on a Sunday afternoon. He says, I'll give you all the time you need. We sit down and begin to talk about his business. And it wasn't just business by the end of the discussion. He's talking about church, talking about religion, talking about things that impact his life, things about him. It went from just listening to trust, building that relationship. I'll pull in. Maybe I've been traveling for a week, and I'll pull in to get gas and say, I haven't seen you in a while. Or I've been traveling, and I'll explain to him. But he takes the time. He made enough of an impact. Because I didn't just see him as a gas station attendant, just giving me back my money and going out to my car and go do what I wanted to do. I wanted to make an impact. Even all his problems, we talk about church. I can't wait to see the day when he's sitting on an apostolic pew. Example number four, this lady cuts my hair at Fantastic Sam's. I won't change getting my hair cut anywhere else until she goes somewhere else. Last time I went in, she says, I may change jobs. I said, give me your phone number. I'll come to your house so you can cut my hair. She says, here's my phone number and here's where I live. She was sponsored by the Catholic Church to immigrate from China. She's divorced, currently being evicted from her home. Believes in the power of witchcraft. We sit in her little chair, people talking about all the movies and all the gossip and all the parties and everything in the world. But me and this little old lady... Not even five foot two, five foot one, struggling to reach up to cut my hair. Talk about church. 
says, you know, it may get me fired, but I love God. You know, not everybody gets that special treatment. I tell her, I say, you know, me and you have something special. And I pointed out to her, we can talk. She says, yes, I know, I know. And the kids, every time I come home from getting my hair cut, what did she say? Tell me the stories. Tell me everything you guys talked about. Tell me everything you guys said because I took the time. I don't care. Shampoo my hair. I want to spend some more time and talk to you about God. Making an impact in somebody's life. She's just not somebody. I don't walk in and say, oh, just give me whoever. I'll call ahead. Is she working? All right, I'll be there. Taking the time, someone who's going through the bottom, the barrel, single woman, 50s, turns 50s this year, being evicted from her home, trying to find a place to just eke out existence. Every one of these examples are in your lives. People that you just haven't met yet. People that deserve this. People that you just want to say, God, can you just change their life? I know they're a filthy, rotten sinner, but God, can you? And what he says is, compel them. Compel them. He makes it so easy. Jesus spoke in a parable. I'm just making it as simple as I can. Just compel them. The next slide, I want to transition into something a little different. Evangelism. What can I do? Evangelism is more than just inviting. Evangelism is more than just doing what you want to do. It's building relationships, sharing the gospel, introducing yourself to the community. Evangelism is important. I'm almost done. I just got a couple more slides. But I wanted to take the time to talk to you about weaving yourself into people's lives. It has its purpose. There's a reason to weave yourself into the life. If all you are is a church invite, that's a very shallow relationship. They can cut you off in an instant. But when you're the person that comes over and does X, when you're the person that calls them on the phone and listens, they can't just, you know what, I'm not going to go there, I found somewhere else. They, you are in their life whether they like it or not. It's not being deceitful. It's being compassionate. It's being something that you can change their life. So I, I want to give a couple of examples. And uh, I can only speak from my experience. This is stuff that I've done and, and that our family has done. So I just want to point out a couple of them. And I want to talk to us about you. The next slide, Brother Brandon. There... I am by no means an amazing photographer. I am I, it's strictly just a hobby. But I was talking to God and praying, saying, God, how can I get into people's lives? So we were in the Mission Community Center. And so I said, you know what? I will give my free time. So this is what I'm going to do. Anybody who hosts events at this community center, I will come and do pictures for whatever event it is, for free. I will then take the pictures, put them on a disc, and give it back to them as a service for being in this community that we're reaching out to. I don't care if it's a wedding, anniversary, shower, birthday party. So what that done, there were several different areas of that. 
And as I said, I'm nothing amazing. Just have a camera and said, I'll go take pictures. What that does is that takes the pastor and puts it in a kid's birthday party as your pastor. You're in one of the most intimate session, sessions of a family, birthday party, anniversary. You're shoulder to shoulder with them, and they realize you're just an ordinary person. So then what you do is you take a Sunday school teacher, someone that's going to help you. That places every child that you want to touch in the presence of a pastor and of the Sunday school teacher, and they don't even know it. They realize everybody is just an ordinary, ordinary person. So then you take those pictures, you put them on a disc, but on every picture, what I've done was I put Pure Life Photography and a link to the church website. Go to the next picture, Brother Brandon, next slide. You may not be able to see it that well on a slide, but I, just for an example, every picture that I took, on the bottom, you can't see it, but it said purelifemission.com. Pure Life Photography, and I've linked everything to our main church website. You want to know about free photography services? Go to purelifemission.com. That was my way of bringing everybody to where they know this is a free service from our church to you. Go back to the previous slide, Brother Brandon. So I showed you just something that I did. Technical services. Um, there are some in this church that are quite technically savvy on computers and such and gizmos and widgets and everything else. So I said, you know what, let's do this. They're building, we were in a building uh, building program, whether we wanted to or not, because the city was building a retirement center right next to us, shared the same parking lot. So my whole plan was, when this opens up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go in there as Pastor Goff. I'm going to go in there as Douglas. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to help him make calendars. I'm going to help them make mementos for these elderly. Give them something to help them. You want to know how to use a computer? Here, I'll show you how to use a computer. I'll come every Saturday if you want. Weave yourself into their life. And then when they realize there's something different, they're compelled. It's not just an invitation card, but it's a piece of you you leave with them. Weave yourself in. Providing food. And I've said this before, I believe, in preaching before in a message, but we provided food, just a handful of us, my family going out, passing out hot food, hot plates of food to the community made an impact. People crying on their doorstep saying, you don't know how much this means. Somebody gave of their time to make an impact. Someone gave up their holiday to make an impact. There's another thing that I never did get to do, and I really, really wish I could have. It was yard work. I, church, you don't understand how much I hate yard work. I am a nerd as much as you can get. I would rather, there's only, I'm only this dark because it was between the car and the house. I don't like outside. I'm not a camper. I'm not an outdoorsman. Um, but I said, you know what? Something that would be really cool. And I missed an opportunity. I'll be transparent. I've never, I never talked to Sister Golf about this. But I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to load up in my car, those that will help me, drive the city streets on a Saturday. Find someone raking their leaves. Jump out. Help them do what they want. Invite them. Show them to be a Christian. Invite them to the house of God. And I promise you, 
You may not know them when you get there. And by the time you leave, there's going to be something inside of them saying, not everybody does this. I don't know who this is. Leave them with an invitation. I never got to do that. God told me to do it one time when I was driving down the road, and I didn't. And every time I go past this man's house, it just something inside of me says, what if I had just followed him with this? A man was out in his driveway, just bought the house. It was for sale. He had a bush that he was cutting out of his, he was in the mud, he was sprinkling, I was coming home from work, I drove past and God says, go home, change clothes, and dig that bush out with me. God, it's raining, you know how much I don't like being out here. And it is just not just optimal, it's not sunny, spring day, it's just nasty. And I went home and done something else. I wish I'd have followed the Holy Ghost. It's something that you live with when you don't follow the Holy Ghost, you say, God, I don't ever want to do that again. Never again. I could have had the opportunity to compel someone to the house of God. So new life. We sit here on pews. You know, there. when I first walked in the door, I was amazed at so many talented people. So many people that have such great abilities. Use them. Use them for the kingdom. For the Lloyds, you're not an electrician. I don't I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but you're an apostolic who happens just to be an electrician. Brother Davila, you're, you're not a carman. God didn't call you to be a carman. He called you to be an apostolic who just happens to be a carman. You just happen. I just happen to be a railroader. But my first calling is an apostolic. And everything that I should do should reflect that. And how I conduct business, how I live my life. And how I raise my family should say, apostolic. Never once should the pastor be ashamed to say, man, I wish that person didn't have a shirt that said New Life after Pentecostal Church on the front of them. Never once should he say, I wish they would just shut their mouth. We must always try to conduct ourselves through daily evangelism, lifestyle evangelism. Realize who you are. Before you say, oh, that's got top priority. Food pantry. I love the food pantry. I love the food pantry. Now, Pastor Riggin was asking for people to invite people, hey, we need help. But you don't know how powerful a food pantry can be. You don't know how powerful a bus ministry can be. You don't know how powerful online church services can be. You don't know how powerful... What you can do can be. You're an asset to the kingdom of God. You're an asset to this church. This church will keep going on. The church of the living God will keep going on. But new life needs people to share this good news message. If it's not good news, then what news are you telling? Compel them. So I say, and, and you know, this is just the perfect storm for me because... Most people, it's door knocking only. I will only door knock. That's our outreach for our church. We will only cold call from the phone book on Saturdays from 9 to 10. That's our outreach. But Pastor Riggin has a vision to see this church grow. He has a vision for churches to be planted all around the Kansas City area and to grow. It has to happen with unconventional Christians that step out and say, you know what? I'll give it myself. Even though it's going to hurt, it's going to take away some time. I'm going to give of this. I'm going to use a resource that's this. And I promise you, I 
There are probably people that are busier than I am, and I know how hard it is to give of yourself. But find a way to compel somebody to the house of God. Know the people that serve you in this city. Know the people that provide a service. I promise you the stories that unfold. And I haven't told any of the details because I don't want someone to come in and sit on a pew and say, well, Brother Goff told us all about you. But let me tell you, there were times I get in, I kneel on my knees, and I pray for these people that God's put in my life, and I'm amazed. God, I would be right there with them if it wasn't for you. And I thank God you've given me the opportunity to share something I got when I was 16 years old, and, and you fit with the Holy Ghost. I've got to share this. Church, people in leadership and ministry sometimes are taken for granted. And if I would have had the time, I had it in my mind, I was going to do it. I was going to take a picture of the pulpit. And I was going to take a picture of a large Swiss Army knife. That is how many people see their pastor in the ministry. He just does everything. He's got, well, he does that. Well, I I don't need to do that. Pastor Riggin takes care of that. Or brother this, or brother that, or sister this. Well, I don't. We're not all Swiss Army knives. We're a tool in the kingdom of God. God has called us all to be something in His hands. Some of us may have a little rust that can be knocked off, but we're all a tool in the kingdom of God. There's stuff that we can do. There's changes that we can make in our life through lifestyle evangelism. Just imagine the people in your life that you can win just by being you. Now, I could go off and talk about the fruits of the Spirit But you know what this does ultimately as a church? It creates a healthier church. It's people who, you know what, I can't talk like that. I I may be having a bad day, but I cannot conduct myself like that. I had a gentleman today, and I want to wrap it up here in just a moment, but I had a gentleman today have a meeting that I was scheduling for my boss in Chicago, and he says, you know what, Um, we're so glad you're going to be here, and we have such a itinerary set up, it's just amazing, and we're going to have everything set up. We're going to take care of you guys. Get a limousine, going to come in, pick you up. And you know what? That goes up. We're going to have alcohol. You drink? I said, you know what? I don't drink. Well, I guess we won't do alcohol. I said, well, we'll still have a good time without it. If I would have said, you know what? I'm good to go. Let's. Everybody's paying for it. Let's just do it. But I must live in a way... I'm not lifting myself up, but I must I must live in a way that I can pale. Because you know what? When I hung up the phone, there was people in the other offices that says, what were you saying that you didn't do? And I didn't say, well, I said. I said, well, they're the ones who brought it up, and they just asked me if I did something. And they said, well, what was it? And I said, well, you guys know I don't drink. And they're like, yeah, we know you don't. But if I would have said, party's on when we hit Chicago. Everybody, the men that I've been working with for 12 years, would have said, see, I told you you wasn't real. I told you all along. It was just a show. Douglas wasn't anybody. He's going to go up there and get drunk because no one else is around. Well, the brand, would you go to the next slide? This, the next one after this, this God laid on my heart. A church without a community has no purpose. A community without a church has no hope. You are the lifeline to someone finding an apostolic truth. Now just let that sink in. A church 
without a community has no purpose. So, new life without people to invite, we have no purpose. What it becomes is just religion. It just becomes filling up pews, church service, everybody goes. No purpose. But if the Olathe community has no church, it has no hope. Who's going to tell them? You know who's going to tell them your lifestyle is going to impale them? Your lifestyle is going to tell them, listen, there's something different about these people, and it's just not the little granny bun on the back of the head. It's not just the way they conduct themselves. Something is different about these people. So in your life, you see people that are just silhouettes, people that mean nothing, people that are just shades of gray in your life. They're just a service to your life. I pay for my gas. The next slide, Brother Brandon. You need to take the time to allow your life to put faces on everybody that's in your life. Every day evangelism. Now, I have pictures of the people I talked about on my phone. I look at them and I pray for them. I say, God, touch this person. Touch this individual. Put faces on the people in your life and see them sitting on the pew next to you. See them. You know, there is absolutely, as a Christian, as an, an individual, as a minister, there is no greater joy for me as someone has been filled with the Holy Ghost than to pray with someone I invited in the altar and see God fill them with the Holy Ghost. I promise you the tears that pour down my face, they're not fake. They're not made up. It's not just conjuring them up, but it's something that God has touched another life. He's changed somebody else that I love so much. Even though I don't know their name, I pray for them. And I've compelled them to the house of God. How humble we should be when we have a visitor that actually shows up. It's not look at me, but it's I compelled somebody. Something I did compelled somebody. Can we stand today and ask God to talk to us? Let this sink into a heart. Let it be more than just something that we hear and bounce off the surface of our heart. But I want us to lift our hands. I know we've prayed before. But let's just ask God to do something different in us. Allow us to see everything in our life totally different. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. An opportunity, God, to lift my hands and talk to you. One God that gives us direction. One that changes our life, God. Where would I be without my testimony, God? It's because of you. It's because of your grace. God, allow my testimony to precede me before I even say a word, God. Allow me to impact somebody's life. Before I even say a word, let them see there's something different about me, God. I want to change somebody's life through you, God. Use me as an instrument, God. I must be used in your hands, God. I want to be pliable, not my will, God, but your will, Master. I want to compel somebody. Compel them to the house of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We need you, Master. Every day we need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Master. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, Jesus. So my question to you is, are you an invite? Did you just bid? Or did you compel? Amen. God bless you, Pastor Ian.
God for what we heard tonight. Amen. Anybody excited about some lifestyle evangelism? Now, there's there's just a couple things here that I want to touch on real quick. If Brother, Brother Brandon, how hard is it to go back to find that slide where he was talking about the strands? He's got the rope at the bottom. Can you find that slide for me and put that back up here just real quick? seated for just a moment. Just a couple things I want to touch on real quick. Excellent, excellent. That's it. Excellent job, Brother Goff. Thank you so much. But but I don't know if anybody else thought about this, but there was a scripture that came to mind when I saw that rope at the bottom. It's a scripture from the book of Proverbs that says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. He mentioned that if all we're trying to do is share the gospel, they can snip that strand very easily. And you can see that as you look at it, you see you see three individual strands there in that in that rope, and you know how easy it would be just to take that one and cut it off and not have anything, but then to take that entire rope. It's, it's not nearly as easy to sever that. And that's what the scripture is telling us, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And if we could put the other two strands, I know some of you have been inviting people to church. You have been giving the invitations. You've been bidding them to come. But if somehow we could put the other two strands to that, how much stronger our efforts would become. Amen. Now, I want you to move on now to the one where he listed all the things that they could get involved in. That's it. Um, photography, I, I thought immediately, I know we've got some folks here that Sister Rebecca has, has done some of that. Brother Josh has done some of that. And, and you know, to me it's an excellent idea. Just volunteer your time and, and do it for the church. Um, you know, just just um, make that connection, get involved in those areas. And, and uh, all it would take is, we're not renting a community center, but we've got a few around here. And, and all you've got to do is find out who the management is and tell them, hey, you know, I just want to do this as a service. And give them your name and your phone number, tell them I don't charge anything. And uh, let them provide that as an option for folks. And I've got a feeling a lot of folks would take advantage of it free photography because that's not cheap that's not cheap uh, technical services same thing and providing food and, and um, the, the food pantry this is something we we talked about the other night when we sat down and, and visited about all this and the golf had an excellent idea something that some of you that are uh, a little bit more comfortable with with just needing folks just cold turkey um, we can make up a little form that says you've won a free box of groceries um, from our church food pantry and just drive the neighborhood let the Holy Ghost lead you and, and stop in at a house and knock on the door and say you know what we were our church has given away free groceries to somebody on this block and your address is the one that's been chosen then you just keep this receipt. You call, you set an appointment, and somebody will meet you at, at 
our food pantry and, and you get the groceries for this week. And um, what an excellent way to make a contact and to get involved in somebody's life. And it didn't cost you anything but a few minutes. And, and so there's so many, so many things that we can be doing that we don't have to. And, and as Brother Golf said, I don't read in the scripture where they said, all right, we're going to have um, Wednesday night outreach. And the church met and then everybody went out and knocked doors for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And I, I don't find that in the scripture, but I do find what he talked about tonight, just living a life and getting involved in people's... In fact, what Brother Merriman preached Sunday night, the whole story of Apollos. And, and even before Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla, who led Apollos into the fullness of truth, Paul joined himself to them because they were of the same occupation. They were tent makers. And so Paul found some fellow tent makers and said, hey, let's work together. And he got in there and gave them the truth. And then they find Apollos and and it goes on. And so so what he said is so right. And and you know, you're not an electrician, you're not a carman, you're not you're not a bus driver, sister These you're not an engineer, brother Marilyn. These things that's that's secondary, that comes down the line. Number one is I'm an apostolic. And as an apostolic, what is my goal? What's my purpose? What's my calling? It's to win the lost. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be. Not you shall witness, but you shall be. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Be a witness. Live a witness. I want to challenge some of you. I want to challenge some of you. I love what he said. I love what he talked about. You know, if he has to, rearranging his haircut schedule so he can make sure it's the same person. Um, Passing other gas stations to get to the one man. We can do that kind of thing. You know, you ladies... Ladies spend more time at Walmart than you do at home. I don't know about you. Um, but, but honestly, what, why go to a different checkout every time? Why not find somebody at Walmart? Start watching. Make it a point to go through their line and just stop and listen. How are you today? You, know, you don't have to hand them a church card the first time. It's like he said, let there, let there be a building of relationship. If you just hit them with a church card the first time you walk through the line, the next time you walk through the line, you say, oh boy, here comes another invitation to church. And what that's saying to them is you're more interested in you bringing somebody to church than you are in their situation. And what they've got to know is that you care about them. You know, the old cliche is so true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what it's all about, is showing this world that we really do care. Showing this world that we really do care. To take the time to 
I've said it many times, God's got you in the job that you're at for a reason. God can close that door. He can get you fired off that job. But you're still there. And why are you there? Well, maybe there's somebody on that job that he's waiting on you to build a relationship with, develop a friendship with. Maybe there's somebody there that needs what you've got. But before they'll accept what you've got, they're going to have to learn to trust you. Don't pry. I thought about that and, and, and what he was talking about, where trust develops, that when the man would get along with him, he'd say, you know, my wife's not ready to do it. He didn't have to pry. When the office in house, she done, oh, she's done okay, he could have said, no, no, really, tell us, tell us the truth now. We, we wrote, what? But, but there's no reason for that. You know, you meet somebody and you see them and you don't ever see their husband, you don't have to say, well, are you married? They may be going through a very bitter divorce right now. You don't have to pry into those details. Build trust. And if trust comes, they're going to start volunteering information. You don't have to know all the details. Amen. Just show them you care. Just show them you care. That's what it's all about. Not only can we do this, we must do this. We must do this. Amen. I said we must do this. You can, every one of us can. And really every one of us must. Let's find our Let's find our place. Let's see what we can start doing to build relationships. I've said for many years it's much easier to win a friend than it is a stranger. Talk about winning them to God. It's easier to win a friend to God than it is to win a stranger to God. But first, you've got to win that friend to you. Or there won't be a friend. some folks, you know, Amanda was going through, um, what is that place, Beauty Supply, what, Beauty Brands, Beauty Brands, just checking out uh, the other day, and, and the lady said, are you, what did she say, are you a Christian, and Amanda said, yes, and she said, well, what, what kind, and tell us the story.
So I, you know, I told him that. I said, you need to make a regular trip to Judy Brown's. You need to just start going by. She's opened up to you. She's reached out to you. Start going by there regularly. Stop by every chance you get and talk to her again. And, and it doesn't have to be, well, when are you coming to church? Or what? It, it just, it's just, hey, thinking about you, praying for you. Is there anything we can do to help you? Those kinds of things. And some of you have had situations like that, but then we just forget about it. We're human. We've got our own lives. But this is what's got to change. This is why I've been saying we've got to become soul conscious in everything we do. We've got to be soul conscious. That's what lifestyle evangelism is really all about. It's, it's changing our perspective. Rather than us have to have an organized one-day-a-week meeting where we get together and go hand out flyers and folks are dreading it, well, pastor expects me to do this. And it's cold, and, and we've done it. We've done it when it was sleeting. We've done it in the snow. We've done it in the rain. We've done it in the heat. And, and many of you have been good about it, but, you know, sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes our flesh said, no, I don't want to be doing this. But we did it. But if we can get a change in mindset, we don't have to have a once-a-week meeting where we all go out and just put flyers on the windshield. This is, this is seven days a week. We go places every day. Right? I don't think any of us are really hermits. You know, some may not get out every day, but I don't think you stayed home the whole week. There's somewhere you go. There's some business that you frequent. Let them get to know. what you heard tonight? Did you learn something tonight? You make a determination. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to start. You know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this church and this hit me while he was coming to a close. This hit me. 
and he was talking about, you know, sometimes we just have to make ourselves do some of these things because our flesh doesn't want to. But I'm going to tell you what will start happening. As you start having an impact on people's lives and they start trusting in you and confiding in you, and the time comes that you see that first one come to church. And all of a sudden, you're not going to be dreading it nearly as much. And it's really going to start becoming fun. Really. You're thinking, all right, who's going to be my next victim? Praise God. Who's going to be the next one that I get involved in their life? And and it's not easy. You involve people's lives and you start carrying their burdens and you start listening to their troubles and you don't need to be dumping your problems on them. Don't ever forget that hand. Listen. Listen, there's a reason why God gave you two ears and only one mouth. That's right. Listen far more than you talk. Listen far more than you talk. I was at my uh, barber the other day, and I've I've been going to the same man for a long time. And uh, he's never asked me what I do for a living. He's never... It's never come up. We talk. You know how barbers are. Barbers love to talk. Sometimes I think barbers love to talk more than preachers do. I think barbers can't stand dead air. And there's sometimes that I've been talking so much I really would like a little bit of silence once in a while. But just sitting in his chair the other day, he said, "He said you're a preacher, aren't you?" And I said, "Yes, sir." I've never, I've never told him that. I've never said that. Still need picture. 